Mother, I feel you under my feet. Mother, I hear your heartbeat. Mother, I feel you under my feet. Mother, I hear your heartbeat. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Mother, I hear you in the river's song. Eternal waters flowing on and on. Mother, I hear you in the river's song. Eternal waters flowing on and on. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, ho. Hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey, ya, hey. Father, I see you when the eagle flies. Light of the spirit's gonna take us higher. Father, I see you when the eagle flies. Light of the spirit's gonna take us higher. Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya, ya hey ya, hey ya ho. Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya, hey ya, hey ya ho. Welcome to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sokolow. And here we are on 88.3 WLIWFM. You can also stream us online at WLIWFM.org. And uh, Alec, we have Dave Falkowski coming on today. He's kind of a local legend in these here parts. This is true. I'm very excited to talk to Dave about all things mushroom. Mycelium maven, the maven of mycelium. That's what I'm going to call him. Even in mycelium. Wow. I'd love to hear to hear about his journey and his philosophy and really how he got from uh, fungus and fungi to medicinal hemp 
just his energy and stuff. You know, I was actually having this conversation with my son just before, and this isn't like a war on Christmas. You know, we're like, oh, it's such a weird year. And like, it is, you know, Hanukkah now and Christmas, and you obviously have Kwanzaa, but like, it doesn't feel like a holiday. And, and he was like, well, let's just, you know, let's create our own and like Festivus, like Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, years ago, uh, when we were talking about God, when my son and daughter were younger, I, I said, well, I believe in Googling, which was like a combination of the best gods. And like, nobody's ever died in the name of Google. You know, that Google is just a thing. So I'm, I'm into like this Googly spirit right now. You know, there's so many aspects of all religions I like and so many aspects I hate. And if I just cherry pick the stuff I like, that's the light I want to live in. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to jump from there to plant medicine. Because but... googly is all-encompassing. It's anything you want it to be. It's nature. It's a beautiful thing. It's not artificial. It's not, it's not the artifice of humanity. Nature is kind of God for me. I'm going to bring it up again. I just spent time in Costa Rica. It was amazing. What it really did was it brought me back to kind of the way things might have been 100 years ago. Life is just a lot slower. It just is. Right. But what you're actually talking about, which I think is interesting, is, is the sense of time and the sense of tempo in modern life that we all kind of fool ourselves. We build these like, you know, house of cards of like things that have to happen at certain times, the expectation. And yet nature's all around us. The universe is all around us. Again, we are, you know, we are in the holiday season. Traditionally, the Christmas season was this kind of period of, of, of sleep and, and downtime, you know, with the pagan uh, winter solstice kind of. Yeah, where the sun just stops moving. Yeah. Right. And all the farmers were kind of like shut down and just and, and the, the Aragarian world kind of like just kind of took a nap. That's how I'm feeling right now. Say that word again, Sock. Is it not a nap? Or agrarian? Did I did I say it wrong? Agrarian? You said it perfectly. I was like, I got all like excited for a second. Yeah, I know, I know. But like that. But like, I think we lose that. I think one of the things about the pandemic, and one of the things about uh, the year 2020 uh, that that we're all living through, is it's forced a lot of us, if not all of us, to kind of live on nature's tempo a little bit more. And it is very disorienting to not be going 75 miles per hour at all times. We're going to bring Dave Falkowski on after our break, but it's really great to have somebody who is so connected to the earth and to all of its wonder. It's incredible because studying mycelium and reading the Paul Stamets book and all of those different things, it, it really, and there's amaz an amazing movie right now, Alec, called Fantastic Fungi. And it's just like fungus basically is this enormous net that kind of holds the world together. Sure. That and gravity. I'll give you gravity, but it's basically, it, we are so all connected yeah. that you know, when, when I do my, my shaman work, of course, like one of the things we do is we, we thank Pachamama, Mother Earth, the guy that I study with, the Jaguar Path, Ray Christ, he always says, thank you for giving us everything that we are and giving us a place to come back to when we're done. I mean, Carl Sagan said we are stardust, but we're also earth dust. Uh -huh. And the bacteria and the fungus uh, among us uh, will outlive all of us. Uh, that, that if you think about the planet Earth, uh, that that's they're the real hosts and we're we're just the interlopers. We're the pathogen. 
Yeah. Uh, that seems like a good place to take a little break. I know. And, and step away from the sharp objects, people. This is like, this is I, good stuff. Right, right. Disclaimer, me and Alec, neither of us got much sleep last night. So. I'm feeling so goofy today. I don't know what it, what it I is. Know. It's so. probably the, the solstice coming up. You're listening to Sundays on the East End on WLIW, and we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sokolov. And we'd like to bring our guest on, David Falkowski of Open Minded Organics and so much more. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Oh, thanks for coming on there. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while coming. <laughs> and, and so where, where are you right now? Uh, I'm at my home here in, in Sag Harbor on Long Island here, uh, in the middle of a, of a busy uh, Friday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, we didn't even bring up the fact that open-minded organics, like you specialize in CBD and hemp and all of those products. So you just finished the harvesting, didn't you? you the, the harvest, and that's just one piece of this whole cycle. So now that we've brought in, you know, these, you know, the plant, now, now we have to process it. We have to make medicine. And uh, that is just as long and arduous process. And to be honest, it's much more complicated than, than cultivating. Right. Well, well, hemp is a very sturdy plant that can kind of grow in a lot of different ways, uh, right? It's actually a misnomer, you know, really. Um, 
you know, hemp has a, a long history uh, in America being grown and, and across the planet for, for various reasons. Uh, but uh, I'm a molecular farmer currently. So, you know, I'm really growing, uh, not your grandfather's hemp, for resin, which are rich in flavonoids, terpenes, and cannabinoids. And as we're discovering, whether it's science or anecdotal or personal experience, uh, these things do magical things when we put them on and in our bodies. And for some people, even just being around them. Uh, That's good. amazing. And it really is true. I mean, I, I obviously being in, in Costa Rica and studying shamanism, I've been learning about ayahuasca, for example. And how incredible is it that that someone discovered? I mean, if, if people don't know what ayahuasca is, it's a it's a somewhat hallucinogenic plant medicine, but it's two different plants that need to be combined because if you just take the, the vine, you're not going to have the hallucination. So someone like 5,000 years ago discovered that you needed to combine these two plants because one, what is it, the MAO? MAOI inhibitor, yeah. yeah. So you need to find this other plant and basically pound the crap out of the two of them and ferment them for like three or four days. And then it becomes this kind of trippy thing that, that you know, brings you on this magical journey. Um, and connect to the earth. Right, which, which is, I, I, I love the word apothecary, and it does seem like that when I think of about apothecaries, I think about uh, a tradition of of that, of, of taking the essence of things, combining them, and providing some healing uh, remedy. You know what blew my mind most is when, when we opened the shop in the village is how to spell it, apothecary. You know, and that itself, you know, almost <laughs> seems like a metaphor for its definition, you know? Right. So, that's, <laughs> cool. that's amazing. I, I'm writing that down. Yeah, I know you yeah. do a lot of tinctures and a lot of different, um, like you do the chaga and reishi, but you also do some that aren't as familiar. And of course, you're best known for the CBD oil, which sure. I know is, is most known. recently. Yeah. Yeah. How Darko. Is it called Pau Darko? Pau Darko. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, so like a lot of these plant-based medicines, remedies, tinctures, extracts, whatever the FDA allows us to, to call them. Um, they've, they've come to me, whether it's something I discovered on my own, used in my life, or a friend, or somebody like yourself turned me on to them. And Pau de Arco was actually introduced to me uh, by a friend, and uh, it's, it's the inner bark of a tree from Central South America. And uh, his experience was uh, with dealing with uh, long-term hepatitis, and he felt that it had helped support his liver functions through much of this. He's a very healthy adult, lived a very active life. And so as we did research into this and we do more, we find it's adaptogenic and tonifying. And so it's not necessarily readily available or a conversation that we're having right now. So we're like, let's, let's make this, let's use it ourselves and let's offer a high quality, real deal product other people can then launch off of and spread that word of, of our experience. Right, all right. And, and I'm actually, I'm, you're having a very loose conversation, but I wanna actually bring it all back to people that aren't familiar with you. And let's talk about your journey. So you, you grew up here, the son of a son of a son of a native. Uh, or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Your your family uh, first uh, came out here and and started farming post World War II. Um, and and how did you did you grow up knowing you were going to be a, a a farmer, a person of the land, or were you kind of like how did you stumble on that as as your uh, life's work? Yeah, so that's that's the story, right? So it's uh, you know I did grow up on the farm here in Bridgehampton, but my father was a carpenter. Um, so we, we still had, you know, a fruit orchard and a garden, and I still wandered through the fields, but I actually spent, you know, most of my childhood, uh, you know, working construction in the trades and all of these actually built up a lot of quality life skills because a farmer 
needs to be able to be a carpenter, to be a plumber, to be a philosopher, to be a dreamer, amongst many other things. Um, matter of fact, way back in the day, I really didn't think I'd be a farmer. It was never on my mind. Was, I, I'd play catch with my father. Inevitably, after about 10, 15 minutes, the ball either wound up in the orchard where we were suckering the, the pear trees or wound up in the garden where I'm pulling out rocks and weeds. So in the beginning, uh, it's not something that I thought fondly of. Right. Right. But eventually, you know, as I grew up uh, in my early 20s, I did my walkabout and tied together the Bridges experience. Uh, I wound up actually uh, going down to uh, Costa Rica and, uh, and I attended a, a permaculture seminar, a PDC, a permaculture design course down in Punta Mona, all the way on the Caribbean side with Stephen Brooks. And that's really where I started. A, it became a passion. You know, that passion started to come out, you know, about the planet, how we interact with that, you know, the design of this, how we can be part of it or we can be against it, how we can be the host or we can or we can be the parasite. And uh, that really got me very excited, opened my mind. And obviously, you know, spending a couple of months in the tropics, living out of a small backpack, uh, it was a very humbling experience. And when I did come home uh, and I continued my impassioned research here, you know, I came across the works of Paul Stamets, uh, you know, growing gourmet and medicinal mushrooms. And uh, I promptly attended uh, a few of his, uh, what are now, uh, you know, famous, the Stamets seminars. And, and what, uh, what are they? I don't know what they are, so tell me. Those are legendary. They're, they're legendary. And uh, so there are uh, these seminars that he hosted out on his, uh, his farm facility in Shelton, Washington. And uh, it was a, a two-day intensive uh, led by him himself and 10 to 20 other people. And it was a deep and heavy crash course in growing gourmet medicinal mushrooms and, and, that, and everything that encompasses it. Uh, we, where you learn the basics of stericulture technique, uh, all of these things. And uh, if any of you have ever read any of his works, uh, his articles, which are extensive, or seen any of his talks, TED Talks, or at a conference, this man just has a special way of just getting you wound up and shooting you out there, you know, like a like a screaming comet. You're like, I'm ready to go and do something. Let's talk about mushrooms for a second. And, 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 like I, and I'm saying, I, I love yeah. mushrooms. I, I try and eat them every day in one form or another. I'm always a little scared when I'm out in the world and I see mushrooms uh, of actually cultivating them because I feel like, uh, I don't know the difference between a poisonous one and an edible one. Uh, industry and world like interact with this kind of more holistic side of... of yeah, without... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Sock, but I was thinking, I hope, along the same lines as you, because there's not just the the, um, the edible mushrooms, but there's also the medicinal mushrooms. So how do you walk that that line as well of, um, I guess, the stigma, I would say, attached to, you know, mushroom growing? Like, you're you're basically a psychedelic, you know, nut job. Yeah. The, uh, so... You know, mushrooms are really just like a lot of plant medicine. We're kind of coming back to these medicines from that our food is medicine. So we're kind of rediscovering years ago. You know, when when we look, uh, there was uh, that ice man they found. Uh, where was that over in Austria, up in the mountains? I think it was. Let's see. Ice yeah, man. let's see. And on him, they yeah. found a talisman of sorts of this Pitchaporus betulinus, the birch polypore. And it's a subject of debate. Was it just a little? totem of sorts or were parts of it actually shaved off did they make a tea and use it as medicine uh, when we look into ayurvedic uh when we look into look at reishi you know reishi uh has a history of thousands of years uh in tcm traditional chinese medicine that mushroom was once cultivated for the emperor of china himself 
uh, is known to be adaptogenic. And uh, the, the longer you use it, they propose, you know, the more benefits you may see. Um, so there's a very long history with this. You know, moving forward in the modern world, uh, this overlay of modern science, you know, a lot of people become skeptics, and, and for a good reason. We want to question. And that there is, is a conundrum because we want to find ways to nourish and heal ourselves and the planet, but we also don't want to make claims and deceive people and sell snake oil. And that, that really is a challenge. So, you know, my proposal there is to grow and create high quality, real deal products. So when people want to discover, they read about it, they want to try something, that's what I can promise is that I've done my best to bring you what I feel is a high quality, holistically produced product. So you can begin that journey yourself. Right, and oh, go ahead, Bridget. It, it seems just like a natural segue to to say that like, here you are producing these products, you're experimenting with plant medicine, you're doing all this stuff, but you really had to become some sort of a chemist in order to create, to create in the amount that you create. I mean, you're not just making a little thing like I can, like I can distill a little, you know, triple extract on my stove. You're doing this for the population and for as many people as you can. So did you have to also like study that? The, the science. You know, there's it. definitely a, a lot of science. Uh, there's books. Uh, a lot of, when I started this, uh, YouTube was not as populated with quality material and also equal amounts of, <laughs> you know, not quality material. Well, how's the mushroom porn? <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Back to that movie, Fantastic Fungi. It's a great movie. Uh, actually, right yeah. before COVID, uh, the uh, Cinema Arts Center out in Huntington, they do have a really great program out there. They invited me to uh, to host their screening of it at the time, and uh, it's really great. To, I, was, I was honored to to intro the movie and then do a Q and A at the end, and and I was a little jealous cool. I couldn't be on the screen with some people who I, I really can't consider peers. You know, they're they're next level. But uh, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I, I, and what I what I actually would like to and I don't mean to divert too much, but like so you also have this thing though. You're talking about the the, the myth and the and the, almost the the caricature of mushrooms or medicinal healing. And I, I hear it and I think, yeah, modern people in the West love packaged goods. They loved like the repetitiveness of production and marketing. And so it, like the bottled water industry is, is the proof positive that we, we don't trust the water out of the tap. We don't trust the water in the ground. But if we can like buy a bottle of water, we somehow trust that a corporation has made it better for us. And yet, when you're doing something that's that's kind of on a lower scale, even though you, you're you're it's your life and your business, it does require this conversation. Each person that comes to you has to build that trust, right? You don't have that pre-brand just yet because everybody's on their own journey. So how do you kind of navigate that? So I I was advantaged, to, you know, to go back is to go forward here. You know, when I was uh, when I earned the license to be a research partner cultivating and processing hemp for the state. Um, and we brought our first products to market. To answer that, many people were grateful that it was us because they knew us from our previous work, which started with growing certified organic gourmet medicinal mushrooms and then turned into growing naturally grown produce, which was very clean and nutrient dense, the way we take care of the soil and the biome. Then moving into the farm-based the, the farm food products, like my, my wife's garlic scape pesto and spinach walnut pesto, which have earned their own fanfare. And all of that experience through time is where we learned how to do these things at scale. Um, you know, so it is all production. You know, we learned how to scale things through failures and also successes. And then so when we came into the hemp realm now, 
my greatest advantage was that 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 prestige and goodwill previously because people trusted us already because we really had established that relationship and then from there moving forward uh, my business our level of compliance transparency and repeatability has grown exponentially i mean it's very cumbersome and mind-boggling uh, we recently uh cgmp cgmp at our facility so that stands for current good manufacturing practices uh, these are federal guidelines for dietary supplement manufacturing facilities. And uh, it took us uh, a couple of years to build up all of our SOPs, protocols. And I mean, I have a book as tall as from your elbow to your pointer finger of all of this stuff, plus the records we keep. So when we deploy these CGMPs, it provides quality, repeatability, and transparency in these products. And so all of this, we're now up-revving, bringing all of this stuff into there. We're going to be bringing our food production into that. We're going to be bringing our mushroom extracts into that. And uh, I mean, you can look at our, our, our bottles of our hemp products. And there's scannable codes that go to thousands of dollars of lab analysis that now you at home can be your own scientist and, and look at real lab analysis. You know, it's, it's incredible. And how, how do you how do you balance the the all the bureaucracy of that and 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 all of the paperwork and all of the levels with with the actual uh, interaction with with both your your cultivation farming chemistry and ultimately the people that that you are in business with? That's where passion and love comes in, and the eternal optimism of a farmer that the sun's going to rise every morning, and that the spring is going to sprung again the next year. If you don't have that. None of this is for you <laughs> because it's uh, there. It is a balancing act. Uh, most recently, I've been tapped to be the regional chair for the New York State Cannabis Growers and Processors Association. And that didn't happen overnight. That's just by me being out there in the trenches, again, attending seminars, hopefully. And thank you for having me on today, talking and, and interviews and getting the message out. And, and over time, you know, people see this and you get brought on. So, I mean, really, you balance it by being active on, on, on all fronts. And also having a great team. And, uh, you know, that's always a challenge. Uh, you don't always get a great team right out of the gate. And it takes time uh, for people to meld and mold into a space and really grow. Uh, as my mother says, you know, not everybody starts the journey with you is going to finish. And because that's not what it's about. But building this team over time. Like, I, I can't do this all by myself. I have, I have wonderful staff and, and team. And how big is your team now? Right now, there's, uh, there's probably about five or six of us. Uh, in the peak of the season, that'll double or triple. And uh, as things are moving forward here and we're scaling out, and there's some big stuff, we're, we're, we're hoping to create you know, considerably more jobs. Uh, and a lot of it really just does come down to uh, bureaucracy regulation, what the state's willing to let us in the state do. Well, I mean, you, you brought up, we, we've been saying hemp, but you also are a cannabis farmer. And, you know, how did, how was the general because this is Sundays on the East End, what was the general opinion when you started publicly growing cannabis? I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's the backyard growing, but then there's the like farm growing. What, I mean, how did you present it to the Hamptons that you were doing this? Sure, so I mean, this was all by design. Uh, the first year was very unnerving. Uh, 2018 was our first year in the ground here. Uh, I think we grew up over two acres. First and foremost, out of sight, out of mind. Um, so this was planted in the back half of the fields. You know, we, we don't need to be up front loud and proud. I mean, there's other forums for that. Uh, but, you know, by the time August and September came, uh, it was like a skunk farm. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I would get random texts, you know, from miles away. <laughs> 
like, are you, dude, are you kidding me? I'm what, two miles away? And, but like my hands on the pause and slowly we let out what we were doing, the products, even the visuals. I was not quick to hit social media and, and post all these photos and for other good reasons. I've been ground zero in navigating financial issues, credit card processing, banking, uh, insurance. Uh, you know, a lot of these things have been a, a, a big challenge. And uh, so we just slowly introduced little by little. Uh, we kept it benign in the beginning. And really, that's a large part of the work at our shop in Sag Harbor here is for the last couple of years, we've been trying to demonstrate to our community responsible, what what modern responsible cannabis looks like. It looks like just anything else. It seems like that's a necessary step. And it's not a PR step. It's a necessary step to just kind of say, we are a business and and that ultimately we're a part of the community. So we're a community business and, and you don't have to go and smell the skunk farm to know that. And and I want to add that, you know, you do have the farm stand on, it's on Butter Lane. Butter Lane, butter like you put on your right, toast. But, right, right. Um, and my, my Georgia went to school at Hampton Day School back when it was still Hampton Day School. But the your store on the Long Wharf, this isn't an ad. Um, this is just my personal opinion. But I, that store is not just tinctures. I mean, they have the best looks. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to say the best, but to me, it's all these like kids games. Um, I ran into Dave last week just because I bought my son for Christmas. I bought him a D&D, you know, Dungeons and Dragons combination with Rick and Morty board game. I mean, those are like his two favorite things. And I can say it because I couldn't even wait until Christmas to give it to him. I already gave it to him because he's playing Dungeons and Dragons tonight. And you crystals and and so it's like a really cool little new age store. And and where where is the store in, in Sac Harbor? We're we're on Long Wharf there, which finally is completely renovated uh, in the in the promenade. So for many people who know Big Olaf ice cream, there's now a cannabis shop two doors down, <laughs> ice cream Stop shop. The store first, and then go get the ice cream, right? <laughs> yeah. And so all those things you see in the shop, though they. It's, it's part of the message and the content. So that, that game you spoke about, it's this game, Wildcraft. And Wildcraft is this great game for kids. So my daughter's six, for them to play a game and learn about herbs. You know, it's the story of these two kids at grandma's house and they climb the mountain to get these blueberries and they encounter certain herbs and ailments along the way and they use the herbs to cure them. And, and the books, they all speak these messages. You know, Dr. Masarimoto, The Secret Messages of Water, you know, the power of intention and word. And other things like Rick and Morty, just because I know it's kind of cool. But to have a store in the community, though, we have our community in our store. So if you look up and we had these high ceilings and it was an opportunity, we, we have no less than 20 artists or, or locals and their wares up on the walls on display. You know, my mother, she makes pendulums. My neighbor, she does candles. Um, there's mixed media, ceramics, stained glass, some metalwork. Now, these things really aren't things you make see downtown or in the street but it connects people to the shop so back to that mycelium connection of 20 years of my mycological work here you know it's it's all about these connections you know i we want to do this and, and stitch a rich fabric and that's that's the premise of the shop and that ties together so we talk about you know this this progression in this natural timeline we're open-minded organics or omo tried to shorten up it's a mouthful is a truly vertically integrated company so we we both grow and, and process and we have that farm stand and that's more like peanut shells on the floor in the summer it's nice because it's kind of on the side roads you're not downtown fighting for parking spots and crazy um 
It's a little bit more casual. You can grab your food and other things. And then the apothecary, which is year round, you know, is a little bit more polished and, and it's warm and inviting. We can take the time to have deeper conversations. And in the winter, you know, it's, it's uh, municipally plowed and open and everything serves its purpose. Uh, and it's all by design. We're, we're here with our guest, Dave Palkowski. And maybe when we come back, we can talk about, you know, your vision for the future and uh, how you guys are holding up during a pandemic, if that's okay. Uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex. And we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. Sunday's on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sokolow. And that is Dave Falkowski. And uh, you, you opened the store just recently, it feels like. But then the pandemic, I mean, how were you able to kind of like um, deal with you know, safety on your farm and your farm stand with the store? And then I want to talk about going forward as well. Yeah, so it's been a wild ride for everybody. You know, everybody's got a, a story, you know. We may have all been in the same storm, but not everybody had the same experience, you know. Uh, early on in March or April, uh, as we saw this slow motion train wreck of a dumpster fire coming, um, we decided 
to close the, the shop in Sag Harbor. Uh, and it wasn't because we were required to, uh, you know, technically, you know, dietary supplements and food products, you know, these were uh, primary businesses, uh, you know, supporting the public, but it was for safety reasons. There was a flood of people coming out here. And so then we're sitting here for this hobby and I'm like, what do we do? You know, I've, I've, we've got all this stuff. We've got the staff, we have skills, experience, and I had this, had a couple ideas about this provisioning service and one or two sleepless nights called up my mom. What do you think? And then boom, we made this quick pivot to do a provisioning box service. So if everybody remembers how shaky our you know food supply chain was, um, how uncertain things were, the interesting mix of people and how people were migrating around and uh, the internet, right? Well, you, you couldn't even like order on the internet. It was crashing throughout the day. And we built from the ground up this whole, uh, system where you can order a box of organic produce. We schedule a window. We we drew a line in the sand out front. We bleached down tables. Everything was put into new boxes and masks. And it and it was crazy. And uh, it was very stressful for a lot of the staff because we may not have been doctors and nurses literally face to face, but there was literally like a front line out front, and we were interfacing with the public and the things we saw early on right out of the walking dead or, or some, you know, virus apocalypse movie with the cars taped off and hazmat suits. And so we pivoted to do that for a couple of months. And as things opened up, um, you know, around the state and everybody got a little bit more comfortable, we opened the shop again. And, and in the beginning, uh, nobody would come in. And uh, over time, you know, we developed protocols like many businesses. Uh, and, 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 I, and I ask everybody right now who's listening and I'm grandstand for a moment, don't let your guard down now. Please, people, continue to wash your hands. Continue when you enter a place wearing a mask. It doesn't prevent transmission. It helps prevent. It stops you from spitting on me in surfaces. So you go somewhere wearing a mask, sanitize your hands, take care of your business, sanitize it on the way out. It's going to reduce the amount of times you roll those dice. If you roll the dice once, your probability of rolling snake eyes and losing are minimal. Sorry, guys. I just actually yeah. actually one in one in thirty six. Yeah. One in thirty six. Yeah. So they and so every time anything we can do that gives us that extra edge on preventing this, please. I just ask right now because I want this to end too. And uh, we were on the front yeah. lines and it was stressful. I was having heart palpitations, seeing I'm going to have to you know go see a cardiac doctor. Some employees said, "Hey, look, I'm out." So let's talk. Let's 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 have the rubber hit the road here a little bit. Yeah. Anxiety, anxiety is a huge issue in 2020 between the the politics and between the pandemic and between the economy and between everything. There's so much anxiety. Um, how can some of these uh, products uh, anecdotally help? Personally, right? Because that's the best way to speak anecdotally without getting in trouble. Um, I mean, I I have very complicated issues with my hip and back and stress, and these same extracts, these, these plant essences that we make, um, they, they really just help your shoulders drop. That choo-choo train screaming around the tracks in your head, it slows it down. And all of a sudden, you know, if you can think clearer, you're less clouded, um, your shoulders drop, and it really does help. And with sleep, that's how it helps you with sleep, is it helps your shoulders drop and your mind calm. It doesn't knock you out like a narcotic in that third glass of wine. Uh, or a pill, it, it it just helps you unwind and relax, and, and hopefully some other natural processes happen. Other, uh, but those are the those are the um the tinctures, the hemp oils. Yeah, the hemp oils. Yeah. Well, so now the majority of my work is to make these plant essences. I 
I grow cannabis, hemp, low THC cannabis. And I go through a lot of trouble. We grow a high quality plant full of resins and we use an alcohol to extract them off. So that would be a tincture. But in this case, we remove the alcohol and we're left with a hash oil. We standardize that in a carrier oil. Use your hemp seed oil or MCT oil. Those mm -hmm. CBD oils or hemp extracts can be used orally or topically. And so the majority of my product, 99.9% .9 of them do have THC in them, but they have that lower amount. We hear this 0.3% number, three-tenths of a percent. That's the defining amount of THC that defines hemp. So it's in there. Um, and so... <laughs> This is why, you know, you want to use these responsibly. You don't want to go and drink half the bottle. You don't want to do that with Robitussin or Dimetap anyway. You know, if these are... That's a great point. And it's important to have that little THC and the CBD in these ratios. These CBD oils or hemp extracts are generally 20 to 1 CBD to THC or say up to 30 to 1. And there's an interplay between these two chemicals, right? Yeah, yeah. And these two cannabinoids, chemicals, and other ones that we hear about, CBC, CBN. Uh, we're starting to hear more about CBG, cannabigerol, which is the precursor to those. And those in a full-spectrum product, plus those things we taste and smell in cannabis with terpenes and flavonoids, that creates an entourage effect. So it not only you have multiple active ingredients, you now have this entourage effect where the, the sum is greater than just the parts individually. So it's important to have that in there. Now we do have THC free products, but as we say with our stuff, it's not what we don't, it's not what we put in there. It's what we don't take out. So as we begin to process further and isolate or distillate, and we move away from that mother herb essence, in my opinion and experience, I, I believe we move away from peak efficacy. Right. And uh, energetically, holistically, and, and even chemically, you know, if we're removing THC, we're removing one of the active compounds. And right. so, and, and, and again, for the uninitiated, for the people who hear this and, and, are, in, and are, are leaning in or interested, uh, how could they uh, learn more? I mean, do they come into the shop? Do they just begin a conversation? Like how, you know, we're, we're Sundays on the East End, we're, we're an East End centric show. Uh, how can the people on the East End uh, uh, start their own? Uh, exploration to see if any of this stuff works for them. So seasonally, that's where our farm stand is and all of the farmer's markets. Uh, our shop in Sac Harbor is open seven days a week. And that's what that's set up for, um, to go in. And we offer free samples, uh, COVID safe, obviously, everybody's sanitary, single-use spoons, spacing the whole thing. So we want to give people enough information to where they're comfortable, to where then they can sample, no obligation, there's no cost in shop, and try these products. Very often, topically, we go for low-hanging fruit. Uh, as always, too, uh, during the pandemic, during that whole provisioning thing, uh, we got a 1-800 number, 833-833-3800. Uh, right? It's a pretty good one. And you can call up, and you can questions about hemp and CBD products, push two or push three to speak to Dave. So we're there. Uh, we've made ourselves available at these venues uh, and, and on the phone. And these conversations, we do the best we can to carve out time. Uh, these aren't just one-minute conversations. People have very complex questions. I'm not a medical practitioner. Uh, I try to switch hats and say, hey, look, here's a talking point that you're going to bring to you, you know, to your doctor, to a primary care pra practitioner. Um, but uh, we try to give them lot, enough information to where they're, they're, they're comfortable, and then they can sample. And then from there, if it's for them, they can make a, pur a purchase and support our work. And, and you have a website. Yeah, uh, openmindedorganics.com. Openmindedorganics.com. And um, on the website, 
do you do you have original content or is it really more portals uh, for people to explore? Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of blog content in there. Um, then there's uh, if you click over, there's a very simple store for the hemp products. I really shy away from just basically copying and pasting what you're going to find on virtually every other hemp and CBD product site. To me, that's not my style. I, I think a lot of people are really missing the whole point of this. This is about connecting with the plant, about connecting with the people and working on yourself. You know, just like uh, back and knee and neck issues, you know, you still need you know, a healthy diet, lose some weight, exercise. Uh, if it's arthritis, hey, let's talk about nightshades, an anti-inflammatory diet, you know? You know, my mother, you know, she can't touch potatoes, peppers, eggplant, these nightshades because it exacerbates things. So the, these hemp products, they're another tool and this is the converse, it's part of this larger conversation we try to have. And we try to empower people to say, look, here's another resource. Here's a, here's a doctor that's helped us or, or a great chiropractor or a physical therapist or a dietitian. And uh, so really it's, uh, if we can't have this personal conversation, there's too much ground to cover. And uh, so that's why we don't put a lot of stuff on the website. Yeah, but I, and I would also add, and again, this is just, forgive me for being so vulgar in this, but it seems to me, like, you know, you, you do have a brand and, you know, you have a lot of uh, things, but that you do have a brand. And I certainly know from my experience that, you know, whether it's a, 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 a character or whether it's just a name, that so much of the uh, game within the game is just per everything folding back into the brand. And that having a mission statement for the brand and having people know when they see the brand, what it means for, what it actually uh, means is such an important conversation in a field that is still kind of fermenting where you don't quite know good from bad, you know, like going back to, and I, I, we could stop talking, we could continue later, but, you know, but, but go, going back to like, uh, you know, uh, this is like such a weird connection, but during prohibition uh, is when you actually had the creation of, of the liquor business as we know it, because there was so much rot gut uh, stuff that, that the brand name stuff, people just knew there was quality. People knew what they were getting and it was trusted. And it seems like that, that seems like the game within the game. That's, that, that's our goal. You know, the, the first thing, you know, what are, we're, we're a wellness company. You know, we, we, again, we want to produce food and medicine for the people on the planet. We're a wellness company. And, uh, and after that, it's, the only thing we can promise is the transparency and the quality and the authenticity of our products. What's your vision? Like, what would you like to see five years from now? Five years from now, I'd like to see what I saw 20 years ago when I was originally, you know, in the presence of Paul's statements. You know, I want to produce food and medicines that heal the people on the planet. And finally, I'm really starting to get some traction here in my work. You know, where hopefully I can save money and put my daughter through college in 15 years. So in five years, um, there's, there's actually a big battle. I, you know, I want to be more positive. There's a lot of work to do right now on cannabis legislation. Uh, New York State right now, we're right on the precipice once again. Uh, the governor uh, next month in January is going to you know, present his budget and uh, likely will be the CRTA, the Cannabis Regulation Taxation Act. Hopefully. Uh, it's reasonable, and we're working on that behind the scenes to help draft and nudge this in the right direction. And hopefully, it'll provide opportunities for farmers and businesses like myself to now grow on the marijuana side of the of the cannabis spectrum. 
And so we can now increase our offerings and, and, and unshackle and better ourselves so we can increase more offerings and, and possibly you know, just provide more options to people because there is no one CBD oil does it all. It's uh, everything's a little bit different. They're all different. Nothing's the same. You can't treat it the same. And I just want to be able to have more options. So when I have these conversations with people, I can give them more resources. So that's what I want in Fiverr. I just want to have more so I can give more. And, uh, that's, I that's think that's I profound think. And, and really. And, and, and I actually have another question. That's looking forward, but I would, I would like to just look backwards for a little bit, right? You've been on this journey for 20 plus years. What have, it's not so much what have you learned, but what has changed in your philosophy over those 20 years? And if you could talk to yourself 20 years ago, what would you be telling yourself? <laughs> uh, to let go. You know, you, you, more, the older I get, the more the, that old adage of, you know, you're going to have to re, reinvent yourself multiple times throughout your life. And, uh, you know, we do our best to, to hold on to some core ideals. And uh, that can be really good. And sometimes that can really hold you back. But being able to pivot, um, like I said, it's uh, I pivot so well, I should have been a tennis player, but I just have a weak for, uh, backhand. So, you know, it just didn't work out for me. If you thought that your backhand was your forehand, you the good pass. You got me figured out. But, uh, but you know, that, that's really it. Yeah. You know, you need to figure out how to pivot, how to adjust. Uh, how to reinvent yourself, stay relevant, but stay true to your moral compass. That's hopefully your moral compass doesn't ship too much unless it needs to move to the good. You know, it's uh, and that's what I look to is the moral compass. And I don't share this with many people. It's a little bit morbid, but it's a, a measure to which I hold myself. How are people going to remember me when I'm gone? Not that they're going to erect a statue, but at my funeral, are they going to say, God, he was a stubborn guy, is hard to work with, he was mean. Or are they going to say he woke up every day and did the best he could to provide for his family and his community? And that's that little voice in my head. And that's, that's how I measure myself. I say, look, I should be doing more because my actions are what they're going to remember. And uh, that's, that's how I steer myself. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's beautiful. And I, I long believe that events and transactions come and go but we're remembered by our virtues and it seems to me that your virtues include a uh, an inherent uh, passion for discovery and for trying to help and no and for trying to actually help people with with not just products that you're you're growing and cultivating but with with education and wisdom and saying that there are ways that the body can heal itself yeah. And so that's kind of a beautiful, uh, virtuous uh, journey to be on. Uh, so I, I think uh, uh, I'll remember you that way. Thank you. <laughs> Check one. <laughs> it's, been, it's been such an incredible joy. Just uh, whenever I see you, my you light up my face. Uh, I love that what you're doing. I love that you're a pioneer and that you're also a local. How much you, how important you are to this community, and and how much you try to accomplish and. Um, and I'm just, uh, you know, really, really happy that we had a chance to, to talk today. Um, before Alec takes us out, I want to say we've been really enjoying our conversation with David Falkowski. You can go to openmindedorganics.com to learn more. And we're going to be taking next week off, I think. So we hope that you all have a wonderful end to 2020. And uh, Alec, do you have any last thoughts? 
I do. You know, I mean, so many last thoughts. Again, I hope everybody's taking care of themselves. Uh, again, wearing masks, washing their hands, socially distancing. But, and I think this is one of the real takeaways here. You know, yeah, it's it's an arbitrary end to some cycle, right? The end of the year. But uh, this has been a hellacious cycle for so many people. It's been a cycle filled with uncertainty and filled with uh, fear. And uh, what I certainly hope, and the, everybody enjoyed this conversation, is to realize that like the power we all have inside of ourselves is is uh, we can heal ourselves and and we can kind of simplify some of those things. Fear is 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 the unknown, and and we can take control. What I love about this conversation, I love about Dave, I love about uh, Sag Harbor here, is is it, it's a chance for us to take control of ourselves in a way and not just kind of sit paralyzed watching the world spin around, but actually say, no, today's a day worth uh, experiencing uh, with peace and with joy. So I just hope everybody's well. I hope everybody, uh, whoever your God is, whatever your religion is, mine is googly, as I said. Uh, I hope that you enjoy your holiday and have a safe holiday. I really thank you, Dave. Uh, you, you are a, uh, a unique and uh, amazing um, energy force. So thank you. Let me just really quickly say, Alec, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday and new year, and I will see you then. And I love working with you as always. Yeah, you too, Bridget. And uh, let's all take care of ourselves and, and let's kick the shit out of 2021. Be well and stay well. What about sunrise? What about rain? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? What about killing fields? Is there a time? What about all the things that you said was yours and mine? Did you ever stop to notice all the blood we shed before? Did you ever stop this notice? This crying earth is weeping sure.